welcome to a special episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. I'm Hope, and I know you were probably expecting a different voice when you clicked on this podcast episode today. Since we are discussing a rather interesting topic, I wanted to host a roundtable of sorts with Joel and Pete to discuss our partnership agreement. What is a partnership agreement? Who does it apply to? Do you have to sign anything? And what is the true value of partnering with the JMO recruiting firm? We tackle all of these questions and more today on the podcast. So let's get started. So welcome to a special episode of the Cameron Brooks podcast. I'm Hope Drury, and I'll be acting as your MC today as we discuss one of the hottest topics and frequently asked questions that we receive as a junior military officer recruiting firm. And that topic is the partnership agreement, our partnership agreement. And as someone who personally spends a lot of time on the front lines of, the, of JMO recruiting, this question is one of my most frequently asked. And I know that for Pete, Joel, and Rob, during their in-depth conversations with officers, the partnership agreement comes up a lot in conversation. And so because it is a topic that we spend so much of our time discussing, we wanted to hear from the JMO community. So we generated a survey and sent it to our candidates asking for their candid and anonymous feedback on the partnership agreement. And one of our core values is clear and transparent communication. So we will always be candid and honest. So our goal today is to really try and shed light on our partnership agreement, why it exists, and what it entails. So I'd really like to kick off our conversation today, our discussion, as we sit down with Joel and Pete. Um, so Joel, why don't you take us to the basics? Give us an overview of the partnership agreement. Thanks, Hope, for this great introduction, great background, and thank you to everybody that uh, completed that survey. It was really insightful, uh, facilitated a lot of dialogue internally here and Give us an opportunity to, to answer your questions. So the, the partnership agreement has been around really since the inception of, of Cameron Brooks, of an organization. And what the partnership agreement says is that we ask that somebody who enters into a partnership with Cameron Brooks, the candidate, the junior military officer, not send out resumes, contact other companies, and recruiting firms, not just recruiting firms, but other businesses, organizations, companies, uh, whether it be creating profiles, sending out resumes, soliciting uh, to try to set up an interview, we ask them to wait until the end of their career conference before initiating that, that step of anything on, on their own. You know, there's three partners in this partnership agreement. So that's what we ask of the candidates, right? So of the junior military officers. And there's a lot of trust that they put in, but there's also a requirement from, the, from Cameron Brooks. There's a commitment in there as well that we will uh, facilitate excellent preparation, that we will have a world-class development preparation program, that we will spend uh, a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with each candidate, that we will also not only never never give their spot away at a career conference, but we will be their partners through the rest of their career. I mean, Hope, you know that we talk to our alum that have been out there sometimes three years, three months to sometimes 20 years. 
Companies also have a requirement. It's not in the partnership agreement because this is going to candidate us, but our client company group says, you know, you got to come companies, you got to come to the conference with open positions with decision makers to that career conference that are good fits with the junior military officers. So they have a commitment. Ultimately, in the end, this partnership agreement is to drive a win for the military officer a win for the client companies. And obviously the only way that we win is when they both win. Hope if I may, I know I've been talking for a little bit here. I wanted to explain the why, why do we have an agreement and other sources, whether it be recruiting firms or service academy conference, whatever they may be, why don't they have have an agreement? And why would we be the only one out there that does that? Because I think there's some misperceptions that we do it because we only want a return on our investment or we do it because we're trying to protect our companies. And if we, if our companies were that great, we wouldn't need an agreement. The agreement is in place because our goal and the win for a junior officer is to do a career search and they get to explore their opportunities. They get to explore their marketability with multiple companies, multiple industries at the same time. And they're going to bypass the filter. To do that, you got to bypass the filters. Uploading a resume, filling out applications, screening interviews. I mean, our candidates go to the second round to be able to make that happen. And we don't do job fairs where the companies just come to gather resumes or meet and greet. We don't float resumes to companies to just set up one or two interviews. Candidates are all coming to a career conference at a very specific time, 45 to 60 days or more prior to starting terminal leave. And the company's got to come with those open positions and job descriptions. So if we didn't have candidate commitment saying, I'm going to start here, the companies aren't going to come with the open positions or the decision makers. Candidates wouldn't want to agree to the agreement if the companies weren't going to be there with those open positions and the decision makers as well. So the way it works is there's a lot of trust. The candidates put into us and we aim to earn their trust as well. And obviously the, there's a lot of vet, uh, vetting that goes on with the companies that attend the conference also. Yeah, I know, I think that's great. I actually had an introductory conversation with a candidate just the other day and he asked for me to explain the career conference and he said is it a conference do i send my resume is it like a job fair like a like a high school science fair and i had to laugh at that one because obviously there are a lot of different perceptions and in different you know conferences out there and i think we're a lot more high touch obviously with the hand the career coaching and the interview prep and the whole DPP, which all just factors into the partnership there. So it's just really more involved, the program as a whole. And so the partnership plays a huge part in that. Kind of to segue into the next portion of the podcast, you know, you mentioned that there are three partners. And we talk a lot about there's a mutual exchange of value and I'm a visual person. So I kind of think of the three partners as an equilateral triangle. So perfectly congruent, there has to be an equal amount of push and pull for it to be the perfect triangle. So 
I think it'd be really helpful if we dove in a little bit into the JMO as the partner, as one portion of the three partners. So Pete, I know you spend a lot of your time on the phone with candidates discussing this. So I'd really love for you to just kind of dive in. If I were a JMO and I were asking you, okay, this is great, you know, the partnership agreement, I understand what is the value that I'm kind of getting out of this you know what what's my exchange of value right and 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 i think it's an important thing to appreciate this idea of an exchange of value one of the things that officers ask all the time is why do you why do you have the agreement and joel starts to go in into that and explain kind of the three parts of it and and when i start talking about the partnership agreement with someone who is a year or maybe two from getting out of the military it's easy to align themselves with the agreement because of what we'll do on the front end together in the partnership. And so things that we engage in that officers really appreciate about the partnership agreement really starts to talk or get into the development and preparation program. This is the service that we provide to military officers and it encompasses a lot of things. And so it's a curriculum-based program that involves self-analysis, skill development, interview preparation, a resume writing service, and we can get into that and talk about that a little bit. It, it involves regular meetings with experts. That is Joel Junker, Rob Davis, and myself, who spend our all day, all day every day, helping officers explore different career fields, prepare to interview, expand their business knowledge. So we spend a lot of, again, time, energy, and effort working through a very intricate curriculum-based program in order to help military officers way on the front end, upstream, understand their marketability, number one, and then practice communicating and expressing their military experience to corporate America. Joel, why don't you chime in there? Help, help me, where am I missing? What, what else do we do? Well, I think that the is the the tremendous amount. I mean, there's a, you, I think you mentioned everything that we do, but it's not just what we do. It's the knowledge of what's baked in here at Cameron Brooks. I I try to stay up to date as much as I can of other options that are out there for officers and things like that. But if you look across a team here, of the immense amount of knowledge that we have, uh, I've been doing this myself for over 21 years. Mary Lou's been here for. I think it's uh, 43, something like that, and maybe off 44 years. Um, Chuck Alvarez has been doing it for 26. Rob just celebrated his 10th. Pete, you're on your eighth. I mean, you add up all those together, it's just a lot of industry knowledge. And so in those, baked in the development program, baked in the resume process, into the mock interviews, baked into all of that is this tremendous amount of knowledge. And that's all pre-conference stuff too. I think if you were to go ask people that have gone through a conference itself, they'll tell you that there's really three parts. They see the development program that you guys just mentioned, all this stuff, and they see all the value from it. Well, what people don't recognize is how much that four days of the career conference, they also learn and they grow and they develop simple things like how to you know, answer a question in an interview question, how to communicate and how to ask questions how to break down job descriptions and all those things that they ultimately learn about industries and companies too. So I think there's a couple of those things that also that value comes in. Mm -hmm. I would say the last thing which we touched on, Hope, I'm sorry you're gonna jump in there. No, go ahead. I do think that there is 
it's harder, like you said, a year out, Pete, but I, I wonder if I'm a JMO, I don't, didn't quite get this either when I was a JMO. Roger Cameron would say, listen, we'll mentor you for the balance of your career. And I think about a gentleman named Bobby Eisenhart that just took a pretty high level position with the company that makes Sam Adams beer. I helped him through the interview process with that Bobby got out in 2011. Just helped one of our alum uh, that was navigating and downsizing it nationwide to actually stay at nationwide and get a promotion. And I think there's tremendous value that you have. A, I think that's it, right? You have a partner that, that has walked up and down up this mountain thousands of times. We know the path. We know the trail. It's not all the things that we do on the trail, but we know the pitfalls to look out. And once we get you on the trail in corporate America, it's not like, okay, hey, we're done. Right. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, uh, Gene Bogue, yeah. Gene sent me a text today. I had helped him with a promotional mock interview, and he sent me a text literally an hour ago. Hey, I got the job. Uh, awesome. Kevin Wheeler is now down working for a company in San Antonio, help him transition as he's managing his career. And so I don't mean to kind of pile on what you got your, but all I'm saying is we spend a fair amount of time post-conference helping people navigate free of charge, by the way. I mean, if we're talking about money and services, I mean, I, I have conversations as to you, as does Rob with people all the time, like, hey, can I, can I get a little bit of your time? Absolutely. I don't send an invoice. We don't, we're like, yeah, let me, let me help you manage your career. One of the things that Hope did is a little bit of research, this idea of a mutual exchange of value. And I want to be careful here because, because there's never an exchange of money in this partnership between the military officer and Cameron Brooks. But, but you did a little bit of research and maybe you can share with us. Okay, let's just say I was out on my own and I was going to pay for some services to help prepare to transition. Tell me, tell me what you, would you come up with hope? Absolutely. So of course, putting myself in the job hunter's shoes, I immediately Googled mock interview prep courses and then resume writing services. And my jaw absolutely hit the floor when I was researching these numbers, because these are things that we offer candidates as part of the partnership. So obviously no cost to them, but um, I was looking on one website and for a master quote unquote master coach session, which was a 75 minute Skype session and one mock interview prep quoted $600. And we have multiple conversations with candidates leading up to a conference, multiple mock interviews, things like that. And I work very closely within our in-house resume consultant as well. And uh, through that process, I mean, the closer that candidates get to a conference, you know, we're sending them um, a template that they work through. We set up one-on-one -on -one phone calls to make sure that the resume is going in the direction that they need it to go. And we edit and edit and edit again to make sure that it's absolutely perfect. But those resume writing processes and just packages that you can buy online range from $900 to $1,500. So if you're trying to put a dollar amount on the value, those are the numbers. And I want to be careful here because it's not that, that we root, hey, we provide all these dollar value. I mean, we provide a service, this idea of a mutual exchange of value mutual exchange of value is we provide a service and the first partner in the service is to the military officer. And I think that's important to appreciate. And I think that's what a lot of officers do appreciate is a lot of the upstream resume writing and mock interview and career field exploration and 
all of the things we do, but that's just upstream. Joel mentioned earlier, and maybe maybe you can speak to the true value, at least on the upstream part of the partnership, Joel, is the actual conference. All this, all of these things we do together are great, but they all culminate, at least on the upstream side, on the career conference. You've been doing this yeah. now for 22 years. I guess as I sit here and listen to it, I think it's good for a junior officer to hear about all the value that they would that they would get a, what it would be worth of them. But I just, I wonder, because we were all, at least Pete and I were in their shoes, and I definitely crossed my mind. My wife was pregnant. She was due August 30th. I was going to the June 10th conference, 1999. We love Texas, right? We wanted to kind of stay in Texas, the Southwest. And um, it was hard to keep control of my resume. It was hard to, to think about, like I had this agreement you know, we lay out the value that what they get by agreeing to this, and that's to earn their trust. Mm-hmm. But it, but in the end, too, people might say, "Well, I've got to do what's in the best, in the best interest of, of my family." You know, that might be somebody that's in the program already made the partnership agreement that now no longer feels the agreement's not formed, so they'll start interviewing and not upholding their end of it. And I, I. And on one hand, I don't get that because we are going to look out for what's your best interest. You know, it's hard to believe that. How could somebody do that? But that's what we have to earn. We have to earn their trust. And that's what we're trying to do in all those conversations. But it comes back to if you want to do a career search, not just go out and interview with one company, not go to a job fair in and they may not call them job fairs, they may call them a conference too, but it really is the job fairs where I go hand out resumes or they have my resume before I go meet and greet, I get some swag and um, they tell me to apply online and I've made some connections. That's, that's a job fair. Or if I contact a recruiting firm or whatever it may be and they offer me an internship or I get to go do a meet and greet with several different types of companies. You don't need to have the agreement. All these things that Pete, we were talking about and been up and down this mountain has been to help the person come to the career conference so they can be the best version of themselves. What does that mean? You know, they know themselves well. They understand their strengths. They know how to communicate their background to the business world. They also get in front of a wide variety of companies and positions at the conference. And this is where we're going to the accuracy of the conference. So this last conference that we've had in, in November of 2020, we're back to 11 and a half interviews. And you consider that in January, it was 13 interviews. And in between there, we've had a, we had a pandemic and still have a pandemic mm-hmm. and close to 7% unemployment rate across the country. Where our candidates are averaging 11 and a half interviews. With, and the pursuit rate was higher. And the pursuit conference. rate is higher. Explain the pursuit rate, though, so people can yeah, appreciate Yeah, so the that. number of interviews percentage-wise, it turned from a, I interviewed to a positive, I'm pursuing this candidate to yeah. the next step. So statistically, we were averaging about 62, 63%. January was 64, pre-pandemic, by the way. November was 68%. And I was, I'll say even in the midst of the pandemic, April through August, the pursuit rate has been between 67 and 68%, meaning it's highly, highly accurate. Candidates can come out of the conference with opportunities to go to the next step, and so that's what I mean by that they, we are going to take care of their families. Now, that doesn't mean that they'll, that's the only ones they can consider because after the conference, they can look out on their own and, hey, we don't want a candidate to go to work for our company, one of our partner companies, if it's not the right fit for them. That's, 
okay. That's not what the partnership agreement about. Partnership agreement is about getting to the conference, well-prepared, accurate, interviewing with decision makers, broad in range of industries and positions to explore your true marketability. Okay, let me let me ask you a question though. Actually, let me make a clarify a point that Joel just said and make sure that everyone's clear as it relates to the partnership the agreement. The partnership agreement extends through the conference or to the conference. The day, the, do, the day after the conference, if you want to post your resume in a hundred places, that is a okay. So just just to be clear there. But let me let me ask a challenging question relative to what you said, Joel, because people are listening to this and they're probably saying, "Yeah, that all sounds great, but why can't I do both?" Why can't I go out and kind of go give my resume to my family, friends, and then, if, yeah, hey, if it doesn't work out, uh, yeah, I'll come to your conference. Or, you know, why can't I come up with, you know, maybe I haven't agreed an offer from a family friend, but I also want to come to your conference to see what's the best for me and my family. So that that's really a question that I get often is, okay, why can't I do both? So first of all, it's interesting you said why can't I do both? And you know what? When somebody comes to me and says, hey, Joel, I've also got interest in this company, this company, and I have some contacts there. And I'll say to them, you got a choice. If you want to do a career search, you can do both. But here's, it's got to be sequenced, right, for us to be able to make this work. Come to the conference, interview Tuesday night conference ends at five o'clock, hit, hit submit on your application, your profile, call your, your contacts, get that, that company, that opportunity into the mix so you can compare it along the opportunity ahead of Cameron Brooks. And, I, and if that opportunity ends up being better for you, great, excellent. You're gonna make a better decision by doing that. But you may ask, well, why do I even need to tell you about this? Why can't I do both and come to your conference? Because it's about fairness, it's about commitment. The companies to send decision makers in open positions you know, they can't catch up. If you're already interviewed with a company a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, you come to the conference, you interview with some companies, and then you get an offer, your timeline doesn't make sense. And it, you end up where you were just testing the waters and it actually hurts your peers. That's the point of the agreement. If we, every candidate's out there, and if we didn't have the agreement, all of a sudden we end up with a job fair, right? It ends up being just like the job fair. Companies will be like, okay, well, we've, We've, we've come to the conferences before, we get interested in candidates and the day after the conference cancer are available, or the companies are committing resources weeks in advance to this. Managers, vice presidents, national sales managers, plant managers, we have a CIO and the VP of operations for a two and a half billion dollar company at this last conference interview. We even have the CEO of that company come before. They commit the resources so that it's not that, we vet that, but without the agreement and why, we ask them not to do that ahead of time is so that it's fair for everybody. Now, there is an element of protection for the candidate. Recently, candidate, he has done everything well, so this is not a ding and it's just more of an example of what can happen. He was, came to us late, he had already applied to several companies, and he had a very strong interest in this one medical company that was coming to our conference. And he said, hey, I can't get anywhere with them. Can you get me in front of them? And I said, I can't. You're already in the system. You've already submitted a profile. Companies don't take profiles from multiple sources. So if you're blasting your resume all over the place and doing interviews ahead of the conference, you could really muddy the waters. And companies actually will walk away from you if you come at them from multiple directions because they don't, they kind of question, you know, what are you doing? What's your strategy? 
And there are companies value our partnership as well. They don't want to get in between us and a candidate. And we don't certainly don't want to get in between a candidate and a company. Okay, I thought that was a great overview of the first of three partners, the JMO. And so the second of the three is going to be our client companies. Why don't we dive into that part of the partnership a little bit? You know, it's interesting about our clients. They, they, don't, they don't sign a partnership agreement, right? They, basically, what they agree to, though, is they agree to come to a career conference or attend a career conference with at least one open position. And I think that's an important thing to appreciate, right? When a company comes to the conference, they're not window shopping. They're not necessarily like, hey, if we find someone, maybe we can find an open position. When they come to the conference, there is a requisition position. That is a tangible opportunity or position in a specific location with a specific boss and a specific salary and a specific set of responsibilities and a specific start date. And I think that when a company comes to a career conference, that committed with an actual physical open position, they want to know that when they're coming to the conference, the officers that they're interviewing, they have an opportunity to hire them. Right. And I think we may have to define what does open position mean? What does it not mean? So it was a, uh, an officer right before the last conference. She did attend the conference, but she called me thinking, well, I don't know that I can partner with the agreement because I'm a I'm part of this MBA program and there's a job posting for this major IT company in, in, in Austin or North Austin. And I think it's a great fit for me. And I said, well, uh, tell me why it's a great fit, whether they're posting for people with logistics backgrounds and, and one of the degrees in the master's degree program is an MBA focus on logistics um, would be a great fit. I said, send me the job description. And so I looked at it. And it ended up being just a aggregator for gathering resumes. It was just mm -hmm. this, hey, if you got a master's degree in logistics or an MBA in the last year, we have these 12 different types of positions. That's not an open position. That is a company just saying, we constantly got this up, aggregate resumes. That is probably a one in 100, the resume will get through. Uh, there are other services that have fairs and companies will come in, give presentations. They come with, they send a talent acquisitions person and we've worked with some great talent acquisitions person, but in the end, they're not the decision maker. Mm -hmm. The hiring manager is. They occasionally get a talent acquisition person at our conference only, but it's very rare. And that person comes with power. Yeah. Oftentimes they're either a they're, director. They're, they're, or I should say empowered, not powered, it, they're yeah. empowered to make decisions. Yeah. So this is a position like this is a sales territory in Shreveport, Louisiana. This is a uh, plant manager in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is a uh, production manager designate to be the plant manager in Atlanta, Georgia. This is the this this is a real job, real salary. It is open, and I am the person that gets to make the decision who goes to the next round. Why is that important? to the JMO. Again, I think this would be about the companies, but why is that important to the JMO? Well, when you're getting out and you're 60 days away from ter starting terminal leave, you don't have time to waste sending out resumes, going through the filters or going to job fairs. That's activity. That is not accuracy. That is activity. So you're talking about the value of the companies. We make sure that they do that and they come with those open positions. They can't let them stay open. Those are, they're supposed to be creating value. There's an expectation they come to Cameron Brooks that we say, you're going to see roughly this number of candidates, this type of backgrounds. 
because the candidates have committed that they're coming. We use the candidates that are coming, backgrounds in our system that say mm -hmm. we're coming to that, mm -hmm. to then go to the companies. We use things like location preferences. So sometimes people bring that up. Hey, what about my geography? We do use people with geography. Hey, this looks like a good West Coast conference. We use their academic backgrounds, their military backgrounds to go get the companies to come to the conference. And so they commit, vice presidents, GMs, directors. Well, let me, and let me even jump in. I'll give you some specific examples. This, this is just from the very last conference. These are all Cameron Brooks alumnus titles. VP, Global Engineering, Director of Consulting, Manager Consultant, Senior Director, Managing Partner, Senior VP, Principal, VP of Sales, Senior Area Director, Executive Director of Development. That's just the Cameron Brooks alumnus who have come to the conference. So this, I, you know, the other part is when these companies are bringing open positions, they know what they're getting in the leadership of a military officer, oftentimes because they're a former JMO themselves, or they have a lot of experience bringing military officers into their company and helping them to grow to higher levels of leadership. And I did want to add in here back um, when you mentioned the resume aggregator and applying for jobs online, the filters that you have to go through. I read somewhere that an average job posting can receive up to 500 resumes. And that's something that a company has to sort through if they don't have an automated system that sorts through them. So getting through the filters is really tough. But the way that we are a partner to our client companies is that we get to know the client company, the job description, their company culture, and then exactly what they're looking for in their next team member. Well, so it's we a good point right there because when we talk about providing mutual, uh, a mutual exchange of value, the service that we provide to the companies with whom we partner is we bring vetted officers that meet the criteria of the position. You know, when a company comes to Cameron Brooks, a lot of times they already know us extremely well and they put a lot of a high degree of trust in the officers that they're going to interview are qualified and interested in the positions that they're actually bringing. So the companies put a high, high degree of trust in us that what the service that we're going to provide them will allow them to fill these open positions that they're bringing to the conference. Why do the agreement when you can get your, you can go out there and get your own job? Oh, listen, yes. I think even now in a pandemic, 6.9% unemployment rate, I know people are getting jobs out. I might be a little insulated being here at Cameron Brooks, but I get that. You can go out there and you might even be able to get a, deep, a good paying job, a very good paying job in even your ideal location. But remember, that's not what we're after here at Cameron Brooks. That's not, that's not the if, because, you know, we just got a message today. Hey, thanks, Cameron Brooks. Um, I've got a, somebody approached me at a wedding I was at to, to go into this industry. It sounds like the ideal fit. And I'm like, wow, how do you know? Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you know? know? You haven't had anything to compare to. And, and if that's what's important to him, okay, that's what he's got to do or whatever it may be. It's disappointing. Really what we're after is three to five years post-transition, post-year military leaving. You are in a great company with a track record of success in a developmental role where you can now move to higher levels of leadership responsibility. Now, we start working that way backwards. The best way to do that is to explore your marketability not just find a job. So this is agreement, and I know we're gonna get into this, it might not be right for everybody. And it's not right for somebody that just says, 
I just want this job. I just want this. I only want this one location, whatever it may be. But I believe for the majority of people, a career search is right. And I was just reviewing the, the, the LinkedIn veteran opportunity report. 38% of veterans describe being underemployed. Underemployed talks about underemployed means I'm not using my skills. I'm not using my full skill set. It's 70% say they took a step backwards in leadership responsibility. That's not what we do. And that comes back to that highly accurate conference. But the agreement is a commitment to that's what we're going to do for the JMO. Commitment, we're going to get these companies. The company's committing with this. The JMO committing to come to this. I get it. The officers listen to this. Okay, Cameron, but you've got to earn my trust. And our goal is by earning that is to come with great companies open positions. And I think if you they were to watch some videos and testimonials of people that have come exceeded expectations, at least met, if not exceeded the expectations of what they saw at the career conference, the value of the, of the companies or the quality of the companies. Yes. I was, I was just going to jump in on that point on the long-term fit. I think what JMOs, as they start asking questions to recruiting firms or companies in general, you know, I think the smart question is, what is your alumni retention rate? That speaks to the quality of position and the fit of the interview and the company that the, that the JMO is matched with. So I think that's just a smart question to ask if you are at that point in your search for any JMO out there. The last, I think it's important the last time we measured it after year one, it's 98%. After like three years, it's in the low 90s. So the third partner in the triangle is Cameron Brooks. We know this partner really well. We are this partner. Let's talk about Cameron Brooks's role in the partnership agreement. One of the things that I have said to officers lately is I continue to appreciate and kind of think about the partnership agreement. And it is one that I think is important to appreciate as an organization in this idea of a mutual exchange of value you know, the bottom line is there's, there's probably, you, can, you know, Joel and I have tried to think about like what would be a good kind of overlap to what we do. And it's hard to think about a business where you could go in and take a product off the shelf and just walk out the front door because usually the mutual exchange of value is a product or service for money. There's a monetary component to it. And in this case, we never charge a junior military officer for the services that we provide. And and the trust we're building in, in, the, in the career conferences. And so what I like to say to officers is, you know, we're not a nonprofit organization. Nonprofit organizations rely on fundraising and grants in order to support themselves. We're not a government agency. Government agents rely on congressional budgetary and oversight in order to, in order to continue on in what they're doing. We are a privately held for-profit business. And I think it's important to appreciate that. You know, sometimes people think, oh, Cameron, oh, you're a business. You're, you're in it, you know, you're in it for the money. And I think that is, that is unfair. And it's really, I mean, th think about so many businesses that you interact with who care about people and care about the environment and, and really do meaningful work. In corporate America, the idea of generating a revenue is really the lifeblood of an organization. So, yes, we do generate a revenue. We do generate money coming into the organization. And the way that we generate revenue is when a company hires a military officer, they pay Cameron Brooks a fee. 
and that fee does not come out of the military officer's base salary. It doesn't come out of their bonus. It doesn't come out of their anything as it relates to compensation. The fee that we earn for the service we provide, it comes out of a company's recruiting budget. And, and I feel like we do great work. We provide a service. We absolutely care. But again, the, the thing I keep coming back to is I can't think of an organization where you can take a product or a service and say, hey, you're a big enough company. You can, you can absorb me kind of going off and doing my own thing. And so the thing I want to ask Joel, because I want you to weigh in here, is you know, th this service that we provide, and you mentioned it earlier, I want to comment, let's just start by commenting on the currency. If we're not charging a fee, what's the currency here? What are, what are we asking? What are we truly asking of an officer with whom we partner? You know, we talked about it a couple of times and we talked about trust. I mean, there is, but the, the, the military officer is, you know, the, the commitment and extent of an exchange of, of money is exchanging trust. And, you know, we haven't mentioned this. Nobody signs the agreement. There's no, mm -hmm. there's not a legality to it. I suppose we could, if we wanted to create something like that, it's uh, never really been because that's not the way we, we are. We want to give our word. We want to live up to our word. And as I think somebody started the podcast with being clear and transparent and we aim to earn, to earn that trust. And that's harder, I think, than somebody paying us for something. We have to earn that trust and we work hard to be transparent and um, to deliver on what we promise. And I know Chuck Alvarez, our CEO, Lauren Kordzik, they sweat it on the client side of the company because they know the promises that we make to make the candidates. They're, they're one of, this leads then to this, this idea, because it's in PCS to corporate America, when Roger says, should you partner with a company that's exclusive? And he says, absolutely not. So we don't look at our agreement as exclusive. We look at it as come to the conference first, and as soon as you start there, make it an end. And exclusive means you got to stay. you got to go through this program. you got to take one of our client companies. And also, he says, should you even enter into a partnership agreement with an organization? And it kind of depends. Not if they don't earn your trust and deliver value. So we have the agreement because the, the value we're trying to get the, with the companies and our value that we're get, delivering to them. And I want to bring this out because... I've heard this one before. Well, they're a for-profit business and they're just profiting off of you and um, they're not looking out for your best interests. And it's just not, it's just not true. Right. And the argument for being a for-profit business, so therefore I can agree to this, but then take their knowledge and do my own thing. It's not fair. I mean, we have great consulting firms that we work with. Um, it's not the preponderance that we work with, but I think I can, this relates easiest to them. Typically, the way they work, they're probably under a legal contract. I get that. This is the closest I can be. They go to a company. They say, for this many hours, you're going to pay this amount of work. We estimate this amount of work for this many hours. The consulting firm does all the consulting to the organization and then leaves. Then they send them a bill. Well, what if that company that received the consultant said, well, they're a for-profit in entity, and I don't I mean, so why do I need to pay them? And certainly we would never go to Best Buy or Walmart and take a TV off the shelf and walk out. We'd say that's absurd. Well, I mean, Walmart's one of the top 
biggest companies in the world. They're certainly very profitable. Why shouldn't they do that? You wouldn't do that. It, it, it's just, it's not fair. And the last thing I'll say on this is partner. There is a reason why it's called a partnership agreement. The agreement assures there's a partner. With no agreement, there's no partnership. You don't have a partner. And that's what I've been, you know, since the beginning is that there's lots of other ways to go, but I don't think you're going to have a career long partner under those other sources. But don't, re don't ask you this. And that might be okay for that person, but that partnership agreement assures that there's a partnership. One of the things that we've talked about here is, is kind of extending that idea of the partnership in that, you know, when you have a partner, and this is really what I'm taking away from what Joel's saying, you know, when you have a partner, you have someone that's in it with you. And, and, a, and when a partnership is formed, everyone is seeking success. And so, so one of the things we talk a lot about here is working hard on behalf of the junior military officer. You know, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm kind of partnering with Cameron Brooks and gosh, I sure hope this works. I mean, I, I love the way that Joel just said with Chuck and Lauren sweating companies, but I would argue, Joel, and you, I know you're going to agree with this and hope I know you're going to agree with this. Man, we sweat the officers. We work hard on the officer's behalf, and I'm, I'm not looking for a pat on the back, but what, I'm, what the point I want to make is, as it relates to a partnership, this idea of a VIP experience, this idea that I am truly care, I truly care and concern, am concerned for your success, and I believe that when I form a partnership with a military officer, I'm going to get your best, and you're absolutely going to get my best, and you're going to get our best through the partnership. And that's got to feel good because, because a lot of times you can, you know, kind of work with a company and you don't, you know, I hear officers call me all the time and say, hey, I've called another recruiting company. I, they haven't even called me back yet. I've had three conversations with Cameron Brooks. I have yet to get one phone call back from this other firm. And I'm not trying to bash the other firm. I'm just saying we view the partnership and we place the partnership at the utmost of importance. And I think that you, you can expect, and that's what you, you were saying, Joel, it's what you should expect when you're engaged in a partnership with another entity. I agree with that. Just wanted to piggyback off of it. We are a boutique recruiting firm. And so the closer that our candidates, and we know all of our candidates, I mean, we're a small office. It's very high touch point. We know if, you know, if you send us an email and you just had a baby girl and it's your first kid, we know that. And we're excited and we celebrate with you there. And we know that you're bringing your spouse to the conference and that they're really excited to be a part of the conference strategy. And we have booklets and pamphlets for them to follow along. It's very personalized. And so we know your name. We've looked at your resume. We know your life story because you've told us. So we want to make sure we feel connected to you because we've spent all this time with you. So we want to make sure that you're taken care of. So going into the next part of our discussion, the survey that we did send to our candidates, we asked them for a number of questions, points they needed a clarification on, or things that maybe their spouses had questions on or families. So this is going to be a Q&A part of the podcast. The first question, you know, and I get asked this a lot, do I have to sign something? Do I have to sign anything? So Joel, why don't you just dive into that a little bit more? So when somebody starts into the Cameron Brooks program, 
generally, we explain the agreement verbally and give them the why. Not to the in-depth that we just did here, but we give them the why. And then there's a document that's uploaded into their um, their profile, into their portal for the development program that they can read as well. But they don't sign the document. Again, it's a verbal agreement. We want to aim to earn that trust. It's a completely voluntary choice. And I think, I'm, and I know I've said this a couple of times, this agreement's not right for everybody. And sometimes I actually have to point it out to JMO and say, the agreement's not going to be right for you. And I tell them that, look, you're, you're so close to getting out, for example, would be an example. Our next conference is not for six weeks and you're out like the week before the conference and you seem pretty anxious, you don't want to wait. I don't sense that it's right for you. And that goes back to that clear and transparent communication. The hard thing that on the voluntary and the, the, the legal thing or whatever the, the phrase is, is that, you know, what's hard for me, and maybe this is just the way I want to conduct the way, and we all here, is that when somebody enters into the partnership agreement, partners, 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 is, you, is gathering all this information, all this knowledge, getting all the coaching, and then uh, ends up doing their own thing. And like then, that email you got. Like the there. email we got and says, hey, I've now gone off and done my own thing. I got a job. Thank you. I wish you guys the best. And I'll refer people to you. Um, that's not the partnership. And that, 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 that uh, stings a little bit. Actually, it stings a lot because and it has nothing to do with financial. It has to do, we had a partnership. We had an agreement. And it feels, I feel like it's been violated. And some people, again, might be saying, hey, Joel, that's business. And I would say, mm, that's not the way that we conduct business. It's actually not the way our client companies mm -hmm. that we work with conduct business. And I would not recommend conducting business with anybody that would do that and then say, well, that's just the way business is. Because you, I think you'll find when you go to corporate America and businesses, but the vast majority of the people are going to do what they say and uh, follow through. So it's a voluntary partnership. Now, last thing I know I've been talking a little bit on this, there are times somebody gets in and has been in, will call and say, and this is what I appreciate, they call, hey, things have changed. I'm staying in. My wife, my, my husband, my spouse, my son has this going on. I've got to be in this location. Not a good fit. I'm going to go do my own thing. I get that. I understand that things change. It's more of the... The partnership is the the trust is lost and the trust is broken that we're talking about here. Okay, moving to question number two: What if I'm not satisfied with the job offers? It that feels really unrealistic. I want to I want to be I want to be as transparent as I can and answer that question, but without a specific job, it's hard to. But it feels unrealistic for two reasons. Number one. You know, when, when someone's interviewing with on average of 12 interviews with leading companies in open positions, the, the likelihood of finding multiple opportunities that pique their interest is high. But I think the other piece, and maybe this just plays into it, as it relates to the accuracy of the career conference that Joel mentioned earlier, when an officer comes to the conference, not only do they have just, you know, on average 12 interviews, but it's not just a random set of interviews. There is a painstaking and multi-week process that, that ensues that ensures that the companies and opportunities that an officer is interviewing with 
is aligned with their interests, with their desires, where they see themselves, location is taken into account, functional, the functional nature of the work is taken into account. And so it's not just a, hey, let's keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best. There is accuracy in the companies that an officer is interviewing with are aligned with he or she, what he or she is looking for. So I, I guess I can't say that it would never happen. And Joel, with 22 years of experience, I'd love for you to jump in here, but it just, it's, a, it's, it's not overly realistic. I understand why the question was asked in the survey. It's just not overly realistic relative to the way the process works. But what do you think about that? Again, I, hopefully I can step in to be the voice of the JMO. They're trying to mitigate risk. Right. And it does happen where people, when I say satisfied, I think people are pleased with the career search process. They're pleased with the opportunities, but maybe they just, one just didn't hit them in the gut. What happens then? Well, remember on Tuesday night after the career conference, you can send out resumes, contact other companies, do anything you want and run them right along there. Absolutely. And that, and, the work, and we are not going to do anything. We are, we will, let me say this, play that straight up with our client companies. Absolutely. We, are, we will be represent you with integrity to our client companies if you do that and in your best interests. And if in the end you find a job offer on your own, that's your best fit. Heck, that's how we get a lot of our new clients sometimes in three, four years down the road, come, they come back and hire from us. But what happens if you're not satisfied? What will Cameron Brooks continue to do? Well, one thing that we do occasionally is that we do refer people to other companies that were not at the conference. Because we usually have two to three companies that hit us after the conference. We take a look at that. And there is a consideration to come back to another conference if it makes sense. It's not common because typically if you didn't like, if you weren't pleased with the offers or the opportunities or it didn't work, it, you know, the timeline between one conference to the next probably doesn't make sense to wait till the second one, but it definitely would be considered, yeah, I love that Roger Cameron used to stay you know, with that agreement, we're gonna leave no stone unturned to help you be successful in your transition. And I take that, tell myself that all the time when somebody agrees with me, I committed to leaving no stone unturned. I do think that there's one more thing. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily go directly to the question of what if I'm not satisfied with the job offers, but one of the things that we know, and this may be a little hyperbolic, but you go to a career conference, you prepare to meet companies and then you interview with 12 companies over the course of a two day period. And and you get a PhD in interviewing. Not only do you get you know, 12 opportunities to practice interviewing, but you also really get to evaluate 12 different, on average, 12 different companies, leading companies who have open positions. So you get a lot of practice understanding what an actual development candidate role that's commensurate with your level of experience, what that actually looks like. And, and again, that's not necessarily, what if I'm not interested in, in any of the jobs I interview for, but it certainly speaks to the value of the career conference. Okay, moving right along to question number three. Does the partnership agreement align with internships or how does it align? Right, so just to be clear, it, it, we've seen a lot of um, opportunities through Hire Our Heroes and other groups where an officer will have the opportunity before they start terminal leave to go and do an internship with a company. So the, 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 the question is, does an internship align with the partnership agreement? It's hard, it's hard to know. I would say that it, it makes the, the situation very complex. 
for a couple different reasons. Number one, the, the, the intention of an internship, I mean, think about just an internship when you're in college. The intention of an internship is to get experience in order to garner an offer for employment. And so the idea that you're going to do an internship just to, just to do the internship um, and not receive an offer, it's not really, I don't think it's truly the intention of the internship, but, but I've never been through that program. Another, another thing that I think is hard is sometimes I'll talk to officers like, look, I don't, want, I don't want to receive an offer. I just don't want to be in the military anymore. So this is my opportunity to get a little experience and get out of the military a little bit early. Now that we've seen multiple iterations, I believe that when they tell me that it's true, but then what happens is they go to the internship and they build relationships and they start doing work and they get comfortable and they like where they're at and they're like, well, I know I told you that I wasn't interested in receiving an offer, but that was before I actually got here. Now I'm very interested in receiving an offer, so I'm just going to do that. So I think that, you know, what I say to officers, and Joel, I want to hear your thought on here, but I, I really do think that, that to a large degree, an internship, there's gray area, and it certainly muddies the water as it relates to your ability to stay faithful to the partner, partnership agreement and kind of live up to your your side of our partnership agreement. Tell me what you think about that, Joel. Well, we probably need a separate podcast on the the, yeah. whole, the, the inter, you know, our experience of watching internships and what they get with Cameron Brooks. So we should probably make that an episode. But I think that it, everything always depends on the spirit of the agreement. And if so, if your intent is to do the internship and to get a job and um, the Cameron Brooks conference is a, is a safety net, then that's, that's, again, this goes back to trust. And then there are some internships um, where they won't turn into jobs and it's a good opportunity to kind of get alleviated. I might get, I get doing that. Um, if you can do the internship and it's not really something that you're totally interested in or you would like to consider it later along with the Cameron Brooks one, well, then you just got to interview for it, the full interview for it after the career conference. Um, but that's something I think we can cover one-on-one um, -on -one with people, but and their specific unique situation, like you said, it's it's gray, but it can always be cleared up by what's in your heart, mm -hmm. what's your intention. Because our intention would say, okay, you're doing an internship. I'm still counting on you at this conference. I'm still fully committed yeah, to I'll you. Yeah, I'll still talk to you, still coach you on interviewing. We'll still help you develop a resume. We'll still get clients to come to interview you. So, fully committed. Yeah. So jumping off of that one, the next question was, what about networking on my own, like specifically through LinkedIn? I think for the a large part, we've covered it. Some of these questions, are, as I'm looking at them, we've covered a lot, a lot about them. You know, networking is an, an interesting word because sometimes people will say, well, I've done some networking in order to increase my knowledge about a certain company or a certain industry. And what I have found is sometimes it's like totally innocent and innocuous and it, that's great. You did a little networking and no harm, no foul. Other times I've found networking kind of result in job offers and, and it puts an officer in a hard spot where they're trying to make a decision. Do I live up to the agreement that I made with this company or do I just go to work for this other, to work for the company that is now pursuing me? And I think it goes back to what Joel said. And I know that you and I talk about this a lot, Joel, is the spirit of the partnership agreement. Again, you don't sign the agreement with pen and ink but you do sign the agreement with your commitment. And so, again, it comes back to the spirit or to the heart of the agreement and your, and your willingness to live up to your side of the agreement. 
Okay, you know, our final question here will be, what if I violate the agreement? Yeah, somebody, I think I actually read this. Do I get blackballed? <laughs> no, you don't get blackballed. I mean, and I think that's, maybe that's it, right? The teeth, if you will, of the agreement, really, we can't bring you to a conference because we, we can't, we don't want, can't have the double standard. But you, you, you violate the agreement, send me a message or an email, hey, I found another job on my own. There's no message sent out to the corporate stratosphere that, hey, look at, look at what this person did. I would say that's totally up to you. You got to figure out how you want to build your reputation in corporate America. And this is by no means a threat mm -hmm. um, at all. What I'm about to say next is that I just think there's better ways to start your career and building your reputation. And I think even sometimes there's, there's people that make mistakes. They just, they get, they get scared. They get the, and so they do this and they, and they do it out of fear, not because it's anything malicious. And, you know, I've had people come back and recruit from us and say, Hey, you know what? I had a great experience. I'm sorry that the, that, that this happened, you know? So I, I think the bottom line is nothing can't, we won't bring you to the conference. There's no attorneys involved, no right? Attorneys we're not, involved. We're not. There's no teeth. And, and here's the other thing, because I saw the other part of the question. And I go with the agreement, but I'm always worried that Cameron Brooks might drop me from the conference. Right. I can't think of somebody we just dropped from the conference. Hey, we found life. someone better. We're going to let yeah. you go. In the, in the time that we, that we do have somebody drop from the conference where we are involved with it, typically it's like, sounds like this. Uh, John, your interviewing is just way off base. And you've not read the books. You're not doing the work in the interviewing. And I can help you, but by next week, we got to be to this level. Get to that next week. It's still not working. You're just going to waste your time and energy coming to the conference. But there's never a phone call of, hey, we, you're off the conference. Never. I mean, you know, Pete, hope you were in, working remotely how much I sweated April. I said, we are calling this candidate, this April in the pandemic. We're calling this candidate. They got seven interviews. They got eight. We owe it to them. So they know what's going on. I mean, that's how important we take that clear and transparent communication. Okay, that's, that's great. A good one to end on. Thank you, Joel and Pete, for sharing all of your knowledge today and just clarifying a couple of points. Hopefully we helped shed a little bit more light on the partnership agreement and what it is and really truly the spirit of it. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Hope. Thanks, Hope. Hey, everyone, it's Pete. Thanks for uh, listening to another edition of the podcast. I hope that this conversation with Joel and Hope and me uh, was shed some light, a little bit more light on the partnership agreement, why we have it, why it's advantageous, and hopefully gives you some um, confidence that partnering with Cameron Brooks, really because of the partnership agreement, can, uh, can really allow you to do a broad career search and ultimately launch your business career. Got a couple fun episodes coming up next week. We're going to uh, launch a little, um, a little mini-sode, if you will, on gratitude. And then the week after that, uh, a special episode where Joel interviews author Michael Bungay. So hang on for that. That's coming up here in the next few weeks. Listen, if you have any questions or, or anything you want to contribute to or have a dialogue around the partnership agreement or, frankly, anything else for that matter, 
you can reach any one of us here in the office, 210-874-1500, and you can always reach me directly at my email address. That is Pete at Cameron-Brooks.com. Other than that, thanks again for listening to the episode.